0: Well, this is our second week as we continue through the book of Colossians since we've launched this first teaching series for Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. If you're just tuning in with us, my name is Daniel Hendrickson and I'm starting a church on the Palos Verdes Peninsula uh, this summer. And we hope to begin in-person gatherings in the fall. And we're just waiting because right now we see restrictions that uh, are lifting and then tightening up again. And we're just seeing when is the right time for us to begin in-person gatherings. But in the meantime, we thought, you know, let's begin posting teachings online so that you can connect with us and get to know who we are. And so I'm so excited to continue this series. If you want to subscribe on our YouTube page, you can get notified when a new teaching is posted, and we'll have them up every Sunday for you to connect with us. And so let's get right into God's Word today. We're going to continue where we left off last week, which was Paul's greeting to Colossians, and now he's going to have a prayer for those Christians in Colossae. Now keep in mind, Paul had never actually met these people that he was writing to. And that resonates with me because I'm speaking to a people that I've never actually met. My wife and I, we just moved to Palos Verdes about a month ago, and um, we've met lots of people already, great people that we've been connecting with, and they've been so kind and so sweet, Um, but we believe that God is going to build a church here in Palos Verdes, and so I might be ministering to people that I've never met before, but I believe that God has a plan to build his church here on the Palos Verdes Peninsula, and I'm so excited for it. So let's read now this prayer that he had for these Christians in Colossae that he'd never actually met, and this is where it begins in verse 9 where he says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now, let's stop right there before we get into the specific details of what Paul prayed for. I want us to see right here as Paul starts how he heard about something of the Colossians. And what did he hear about? He heard that they had faith in Jesus and that they had love for people. And Paul heard these great things about the Colossian Christians, and yet Paul also heard some things that were not so great. We know that in this letter, Paul is going to address issues. He's going to confront problems and errors that were in the church. And yet Paul begins in a place where he starts by talking about the good things that he had heard about the people. Now, this might seem like a minor point to make, but I believe that it could speak volumes in the times in which we're living in, which is that if we can start from a place of being positive, from highlighting the good that we see in people, maybe don't start from a place of what you disagree with somebody about, but start from a place of what you agree about. I believe that we will have greater access into the hearts and minds of people if we begin highlighting to them the things that we see about them that are good, the th- things that we see about them that, um, that we can celebrate. Now, not everything is good. Not everything that, can, that is in a person can be celebrated. And Paul is going to confront the ways in which they'd strayed away from the gospel. He's going to confront the errors of their ways. But he first notes their faith and their love. And he shares with them the ways that he's been praying for them. And look, Paul actually meant it when he said that he loved them. Paul actually meant it when he said that he was praying for them. And we know this because he says, I've not ceased to do this. I haven't ceased in praying for you. These are people that Paul had never met, and yet they were continually upon his heart and mind as he thought about these people. I think about a quote from a book on prayer by a man named E.M. Bounds. He says this, Talking to men for God is a great thing, but to talk to God for men is greater still. He will never talk well in real, with real success for God who has not learned well how to talk to God for men. You get the idea, right? Is sometimes we, um, we just go straight to talking to people about God without ever first going to God about people. And that's how my wife and I are beginning this work of church planting. We look forward to the day when we can meet in person with people and teach the word of God and have fellowship and all those wonderful things. But in the meantime, we've just been talking to God about Palos Verdes and the people that live here. We have been asking God that he would do great and mighty things in the people of Palos Verdes. Let me share with you a couple of the ways that we've been praying for this area. We've been praying, as we've moved here to establish a new church, we've been praying that God would answer the prayer of some believer who's been looking for a church to be part of, but for some reason or another has been unable to connect to a local church. And that we, by coming here, could be an answer to their prayers to get a church that they could be a part of. We also have been praying many, many times for those who have yet to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We've been praying for those that by us coming here and beginning to minister and preaching the gospel, that by the message of Jesus, that they would be saved and that the church would grow in that way. And so we've been praying all of these kinds of prayers For a people, again, that we've never met in the same way that Paul was praying for these Colossian people, these specific requests, these things that he was asking for. Now, let's go through this prayer and see the things that he prayed for. First, he prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, man, if there's ever a thing that people want to have clear knowledge about, it's the future. If you're a Christian, or even if you're not a Christian, you want to know what your future holds. Uh, The problem is, no matter how good of a five-year plan or a 10-year plan that you might be able to develop, nobody knows the future. It's not in our ability to know it. But God knows our future. It's kind of his gig, being God. He knows the future. But how then do we as human beings Know God's will. Well, first, let me start by saying this God wants you to know His will. And that is why God has revealed Himself to you in the Bible with wisdom and spiritual understanding that you can have through His Word. That's why Christians have the Spirit of God dwelling in them so that the Holy Spirit can be their guide because the Holy Spirit gives us the mind of Christ. So God wants you to know his will, and he's made it plain through his word. And listen, God doesn't just want you to know a little bit about his will. He wants you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. The idea there is that you would be overflowing to the brim with the knowledge of God's will for you. Now, does this mean that You're going to lay your head down on a pillow tonight, and God's going to download a 10-year plan for your life, and you're going to wake up and know exactly what the next 10 years looks like. No, that's not how it works. The way it works is that as we continually walk with God and seek Him by faith, He shows His plans for us, and that they're plans that are for our good. And so that's the first thing, to be filled with the knowledge of His will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding which again comes from god's word it comes from wise counsel this comes from us maturely walking with god over the days and months and years of our lives this happens as we make course corrections if we get off track from walking with god and in his will we grow in wisdom and spiritual understanding when we come back to the lord we see Um, spiritual wisdom and understanding coming when we take bold steps of faith for God and we see God move in his plans for us then he prays that they would walk worthy of the Lord now walking worthy walking in a manner worthy of Jesus is, is so important especially today in the church when so many people see hypocrisy Christians need to walk worthy of the calling to which they've been called. You see, Jesus died for sin. And we, in Christ, we have died to sin. And so if we have died to sin, how should we any longer live in it? We need to come out from sin and walk in righteousness with Jesus because that's the manner of worthiness that Jesus has called us to. He has made us worthy because the the worthy Lamb of God shed His blood and gave us the forgiveness of sins. We can walk in that worth that Jesus gives us. Then He prays that they would be fully pleasing to Him. The idea here is that we don't work to please God. We, we're not trying to gain a pleasing, but that we are already pleasing to Him. You see, too many Christian lives, Christians live their lives thinking that they, they have to do all these sorts of things to please God. And it, it seems as though many times Christians feel that they're never pleasing God. I know that there's been times and seasons in my own life where I've felt as though I can't do enough. I can't um, behave enough. I can't think right enough to be pleasing to God and it's it's just a lie it's just wrong God is pleased with you in Christ see we are pleasing to God not because we're perfect we'll never be perfect we're pleasing to God because Jesus was perfect and because he became a sinless sacrifice that was pleasing to God we can now please him And so, I don't know if you're living in a time right now where you just feel like, yeah, I know God loves me, but does he really like me? You might feel like, you know, it just seems that God's just kind of fed up with me. Maybe God's just annoyed with me. Now, Paul's prayer here is that you would know that you are fully pleasing to God. And then he says that we would be fruitful in every good work. Now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. That a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. That's a little bit of a tongue twister, but what he's saying there is that if you are a new creation in Christ, you will bear fruit. The Spirit that dwells in you will bear forth the fruits of the Spirit for every good work. What he's not saying is that Um, Our good works then make us pleasing to God. It's that we've been pleasing to God. Therefore, we will bear good fruits. It's totally different. You can't put one before the other. It's in that proper order. And then his prayer for them was that they would increase in the knowledge of God. And God wants you to know him more and more every day. And the vision of Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes is that we would know Jesus and be known by him. That there would be this powerful way in which there would be a deep knowledge of God and there would be a deep knowledge of of yourself as you relate to Jesus. Because that is the best kind of living. And then he says that they would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Now I don't know what you need strength for. Maybe you need strength for your job. Maybe you need strength to be a parent. Maybe you need strength because you're caring for aging parents. Whatever it is that you need strength for, let me tell you that God has an infinite supply of resource for you and he has glorious power to strengthen you with all might it says it right there that by his spirit and his resurrection life he will give you the power to strengthen you that is such a wonderful prayer and that prayer for strength is so that we would have patience and long suffering with joy because guys there is so much that wants to press us down and to make us weak and there is suffering in this world, and we need the strength that comes from the resurrection life of Jesus to give the power so that we could have patience and suffering with joy. And that's Paul's prayer for them. He finishes then by saying that they would um, be qualified as partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. How have we been qualified to become partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life, which, by the way, is an epic title for Christians? This is how that's possible. This is how we've been qualified. Look at these last two verses. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Those two verses are so powerful. It's as if I could have just spent the whole time on those two verses. But listen, these two verses, this gospel promise right here that we've been delivered from the power of darkness, that we've been conveyed into the kingdom of his son, of his love, that we have redemption through his blood, that we have the forgiveness of sin. These promises of the gospel are what uphold this prayer that Paul was praying for the Colossians. This is what upholds us to God and says that we've been made worthy. See, God has delivered us, and he's done it through redemption, he has bought us from slavery. The purchase price was the blood of his son to redeem us to himself. See, sin separated us from God. Man and woman have been um, ripped apart, torn apart from their maker. And there is a reconciliation that needs to happen for us to have that relationship with God. And that is the gospel. That is where this comes in. And when I read those words, I know them to be true in my own life. Someone might read these words, somebody might be listening to this, and they can't accept that. Well, my prayer for those people, if that's you, my prayer is that you would accept by the revelation of God's Spirit that you do indeed have sin, but that God loves you. And He has made a way for you to have forgiveness of sins, and He's done that by giving His Son Jesus Who died on a cross to shed his blood which covers over your sins and that he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead to give you life and that you can have an entrance into his kingdom by believing in Jesus well how do you do that how does that happen my encouragement to you is that you just look back over this prayer that's recorded In Colossians chapter 1 and anytime it says you replace the words you with the words I make this prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossians make it personal for yourself pray this prayer for yourself to God and I believe that if you pray this prayer in faith God will answer that'll make you a child of God that'll make you a stronger believer walking in the manner that is worthy of your calling And so I hope that this blesses you today. I love you. In Jesus' name, God bless you.